Hey Medford Bites listeners. Before I get started, I wanted to announce that the Medford Chamber of Commerce is running a promotion to support local businesses. If you make a purchase at four participating local businesses during the month of February, you could win two tickets to see Jonathan Van Ness, you might know him from Queer Eye or his podcast, Getting Curious, at the Chevalier Theatre on March 18th, plus $500 in cash. You can pick up a loyalty card at any participating business or in the lobby of the Chamber's office on one shipyard way in Medford Square. There's a link in today's show notes with information about participating businesses. To supplement today's interview, Chelly shared a speech she wrote titled Racial Reckoning and Restoration. A link to the full speech can be found in the show notes. Special shout out to Grace Caldara, Medford resident and fellow Roberts Elementary parent for helping to connect me with Chelly and recommending reading about this, the history of West Medford. I hope you enjoy the interview. Okay, um, thank you so much for meeting with me today. If you don't mind just introducing yourself by saying your name and pronouns and a bit about yourself. Yeah, so my name is Chelly Keshevin. My pronouns are she, her, hers. Um, I am a long-term Medford resident and in part a product of the Medford Public Schools. Um, I run a maternal health equity nonprofit by day. It's called the Boston Association of Childbirth Education. Um, And then I wear a couple hats in the city of Medford itself. Um, So I'm newly elected chair of the Human Rights Commission and also recently elected vice president of WMCC, West Metro Community Center. And then lastly, I sit on the board of directors at Medford Health Matters. Um, And I have two kids reading rights in Medford. Um, Yeah, so I'm around. (laughs) <laughs> very much so awesome great thank you um so we'll talk about a different a couple different pieces of what you of what you just mentioned too hopefully but um the first question that i always ask every guest is um what their favorite place to eat is in medford and what they like to eat there yeah so i think my answer to that is oasis the brazilian steakhouse mm-hmm. um we have been going we sort of clambered our way in there 17 years ago, 18 years ago when it opened, and we've been going ever since. Um, and it's come to the point where we've gotten to know Luciano, and the sort of family there has watched my kids get older. Um, we are always in there for kind of everything on the menu, but we will take feijoada on any day. Um, so it's very, it's always been warm and welcoming, and um, we appreciate an opportunity to get back. Yeah, we don't, my family doesn't eat meat, so we haven't, uh, really been in there but I, I've seen like the pictures of their smoothies on the outside so hopefully I do can some good smoothies. I appreciate the bakery they do some good fish too I do. oh yeah we do fish mm-hmm. oh nice cool awesome um so I was hoping you know for this month being Black History Month I was hoping to talk a little bit about um your work at the West Medford Community Center um I've just been curious I hear like a lot of folks kind of share their pride about being from West Medford and I've actually been reading some a book that the West Medford Community Center put out that sort of highlights the history of the West Medford neighborhood and it being sort of like historically um, a Black community within Medford. So I was wondering if you could share a little bit about your experience there and sort of your hopes as the VP. Yeah, so I am I'm looking at sort of two weeks in as VP. Um, and I think that what is important to highlight about West Medford and the West Medford Community Center is that we're talking about um, 
a historically middle class, black middle class neighborhood. Um, so we're not discussed so so much, so many narratives discuss like a lift the hood type of discussion. And a lot of initiatives speak to um programming, sorry, Japanese programming that's kind of uh, you know, programming that's supposed to speak to lower income conversations or um speak to folks who are not going to be able to purchase their own properties and that's not the conversation here or at least it wasn't so i think maybe we're in a place where we uh, need to be thinking about what it means to have to currently own or to have previously owned and what does it mean to be in a space where you could possibly potentially lose the properties you had and how do we have conversations about to, how to prevent that happening and what does that mean for preserving the culture of a community? Mm. Um, never mind conversations or like reparations or intergenerational wealth and and just displacement. Um, so if people maybe our age can't afford to buy or stay or they can't afford to choose West Medford to raise their own families, who then who's who can and what does that mean for where our trajectory is going? Um, so those are all thoughts that have been in my mind in the last yeah. two weeks. Wow. So interesting, like in the reading that I was doing, it was talking about how like though that neighborhood was developed sort of within cooperation with like white developers or white contractors. And that that's sort of like that. And that was like uh, something that's highlighted is how it was like the cooperation between black people and white people in Medford that sort of helped form that neighborhood, or that's kind of how it's phrased in the book. And I, I think that this issue that you're describing of like, what does it mean, like some neighborhoods like might be changing or are changing due to like the cost of buying a home in Medford and wh who is that pushing out? Who is like what families are no longer able to stay in the city? And that, that, that feels like an issue like across the city in whatever neighborhood. Um, and I, I hear, like a lot of different conversations that seem to be like kind of dividing people in the city. And this seems like something that like, I'm, I'm sure it disproportionately impacts like certain parts of the city, but also something that I think most residents might be able to relate to. Yeah, I think it also brings up a conversation of the difference between uh, what, so I will back up. I have a tendency to not tell the whole story. Um, I think COVID illuminated sort of systemic policy and systemic failure on a, you know, grand scale. Um, and Medford is not, you know, no stranger to that. Um, but I included have spent the last two years talking about like diversity, anti-bias, uh, and I think the mayor kind of pushed for the vote around like racism and the public health crisis. So I think we also, um, should be spearheading conversation about the differences between sort of initiatives that are pro-diversity as opposed to pro-Black and how much space between those conversations is there mm -hmm. and to what extent can we lift both either, is this both and or not? Um, and also is the city of Medford going to continue to welcome families in general um, if we're hitting a place sort of market-wise are we really just speaking to double income, no kid options? Um, and if housing looks a certain way, what does that mean for what the schools look like? And if you're 
on the hook for a certain kind of bracket around housing. What do you need from the school systems to want to be here, stay here? Are you raising toddlers and leaving? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. The whole big picture. How does it, how does your work with the HRC kind of overlap with some of the stuff you're doing at um, the community center? Um, so same. I've, I've been chair for literally a week. My sense, my approach with any new role is to begin with needs assessments and listening audits. Mm. Um, to say, I can only bring my own perspective. So I need to present myself as a person who's willing to listen and learn first. Um, and then discuss what thought partnering or thought leading could look like. Um, yeah. So that's my sense for now. And maybe to also onboard HRC has ha, has and has had some really strong voices, but um, they are folks who are in a different place in life than at least I am. Mm. And I think it might be good to diversify along age lines too or generational lines because um, we haven't done that yet. And my sense is always to say like, people like us parents are going to be, I mean, not. I don't want to say stuck, but we're going to need something different from Medford than folks who have who have yet to raise or who have already raised children and have a little more mobility. Mm. Sure. Yeah. And, and so being new to both of those roles, what kind of drove you to get involved with the community center and with the HRC? Um, so I mentioned that my kids are at the Cambridge Friends School. I, I'm large, I largely threw myself into getting involved after the statement on Floyd came out from City Hall. Mm. Um, and at that time, I had, I was sort of sleeping in Medford. I didn't have a one uh, social network here. And that was by choice. I was sort of fed up with the level of racism and feeling like we are two miles away from Cambridge, but, but light years away from the level of conversation that's happening socially in Cambridge. And I just kind of didn't deal with it for 10 years. And then after Floyd, um, lockdown helped me to have time for that. And I threw myself in. Um, and I decided to become a person who would at least participate instead of complaining. Um, so kind of just one conversation led to another and it became, I uh, jumped on the commission and then that became getting to know a lot of people very quickly. Okay got involved with council conversations and then I met with Wendy and that became the first health matters mm -hmm. and then commission work became like well what if you were chair um, yeah so and as you met Fritz time so if you know 10 people you know 100 that's exponentiate yeah awesome and so I guess like you know your speak you spoke just now about kind of the the sense that you had about the community of Medford before the murder of George Floyd right and that that sort of changed your sort of desire to engage maybe what with the community and um i wonder like what you have for hopes like so what what you hope to see from medford moving forward or kind of um you know as we sort of you know hopefully begin to address some of these bigger like sort of issues of inclusivity and exclusivity um i think that gentrification in the way that it hit, has hit camberville hasn't quite hit medford in the same to the same extent yet so i wonder if we can capitalize on some intentionality before it does mm. uh, and if we can be careful about how we're welcoming folks with young kids folks um 
families, uh, in, uh, multi-generational families, because it used to be that Medford was a space where you could raise your kids, also take care of your parents. Um, yeah. Live here. I think a lot of people have their needs met in surrounding communities and sort mm -hmm. of come home just to be home. Yeah. Uh, so I wonder what it would look like to have more of a vibrant city, um, to be a little bit more resource rich, um, to have greater connections with Tufts. Um, I, I really want to see Tufts give back, given how much of Medford they occupy and continue to purchase. Um, I'd like to see us get away from vehicles if we can, although 93 is a hassle right in the center of the city. Um, uh, educational equity conversations. Yeah, I heard. Um, I don't know if I don't know if it's a rumor or if it's like if this is happening. But the new, like talks about green, the Green Line extending into Medford again, and sort of who that might impact, what neighborhoods that might impact, and that sort of speaks yeah. to that. Like, yeah, that sort of that sort of idea around gentrification. Right. Oh, like right now where where it's located, it only really serves Tufts, and Tufts already has their own shuttle, and they're already only ten minutes from Davis. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't impact Medridites until it hits 16, at least. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I did see on the, uh, I think it was on Facebook that your, the West Medford Community Center is planning some events for Black History Month. Do you, do you mind describing some of those? Yeah. Um, so a couple of things. Um, we're wanting to just teach, engage new people. I, I think the center needs to like build a new network. Mm. Um, I think just teaching people about who we are, where we've been. Um, so just sharing straight historical facts I have. Uh, I'd love to just share one a day. Um, I also have a couple of panels in mind. Mm. Um, I think for me, the most exciting panel is um, to partner with President Morrell and Vice President Bears and mm. say, what does it look like for Medford to onboard a pro-Black agenda? Hmm. Um, and there are some community members who spoke to the Black Lives Matter banner issue two years ago, mm -hmm. um, and we we might start there in that panel. But I I'd prefer to see us kind of approach it holistically or intersectionally and say what what can Medford be doing? And frankly, I haven't seen that energy. I personally haven't. Maybe others, have, but I personally haven't seen it come out of the council. Mm. How and when does that change? Yeah. Um, we're also going to host a uh, panel that um, features a couple of Black artists, locally known Black artists, sort of Metro Boston now, um, because the center historically was well connected with Cambridge, Roxbury, Mattapan, Newton. Um, so it would be, I want to get back there. I don't see why we can't get back there. And I, I see like connecting with folks who represent other communities as one vehicle to do that. Um, so these guys are going to talk about um, what it means to be an artist, document, and speak to a narrative that doesn't always feel welcome. But, and, and I think artists in general, I don't know that we're right. I think of Boston as being a heavily uh, academic and science based community. Mm. Um, so they'll speak to that. Um, I'm working on screening the racial reckoning documentary that mm. PBS has been discussing, and again, um, asking them to highlight the reasons why West Medford is historically middle-class and more, as opposed to a different story. Um, 
uh, there was a conversation with we the people, although it's and, and again in an effort to just create new networks. Um, we'll see where that goes. I am a brand new board member. I'm not sure how the board would feel about becoming an entity that offers um, racial justice discussions or trainings. Hmm. But a possibility. Um, yeah, there's. I think there's. We can only move forward. Yeah. <laughs> kind of stagnant, so we can only move forward. Um, but those are the kind of couple of things happening for Black History Month right now. Great. Um, so what you said, um, the conversation with President Morell and Vice President Bears was about. Um, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the words that you described. A, uh, was it a black? What was it? Yeah. So to, it, so it hasn't happened yet. It's yeah. a panel in fruition. Mm -hmm. But to say, given that um, the council, you know, council leadership just changed. Mm -hmm. Could we, I, I don't want the conversation to get out of hand. It's probably going to be like a 45 minute Zoom. So um, we'll, we'll host just the two of them for now. Um, mm -hmm. But to say, get, take advantage of the moment at hand and use your new leadership to partner and like, please view the West Metro Community Center as a thought partner in this mm -hmm. agenda. Um, and also to raise the, I, I think the center has space to become um present um sort of in the city landscape and climate and this could be a reason to do that yeah no and I, I i think that um a couple episodes ago we talked about the incident at the holiday celebration around the um like representation of judaism there and and misrepresentation it, it seems like that was a lesson that that city hall sort of took from that it was like what are the groups that we can sort of rely on to help us do the right thing in these situations. And it seems like the West Medford Community Center is, a, you know, a really important resource when thinking about the, um, the Black community in Medford. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, also, uh, as you can probably, our own leadership has changed. We also have a new president, we have a new executive director, so it's the right moment for us internally as well. Oh, I wanted to make space to talk about anything else that you hope to talk about. So with any of your the other work that you're doing or the other groups that you're part of. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm a I'm a doula and a CLC. So I'm always putting in plugs for like when will I maybe it's me, maybe it's my nonprofit, but I don't see Medford as a space that hosts um, perinatal options. Mm. I could be wrong. And also my kids are suddenly not babies anymore. So I'm not really looking for that. Um, mm. But I have had conversations with Marie around how we could be like other cities uh, have programming that sort of tracks all the newborns that are, you know, that come to us. And could we be doing that? Um, could we be doing that with like cultural sensitivity? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, just what are what does that look like? I'm not sure that we have TV options in the city. Mm -hmm. um, We don't have any breastfeeding groups. Yeah. We don't have accessible diaper pantry. There's, I, there are so many things. Um, mm -hmm. Also, uh, documentation issues. Um, yeah, yeah. Sort of some of those like, so, like sort of the social determinants of health. The ways that that like mothers can be supported to sort of help support the health of their own health, the health of their kids, and then also the health of our community, and keeping it like a 
diverse and equitable place. Well, yeah, upstream initiative. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we have, we have, um, I also would like to learn more about preschool. Mm. I, I have a lot of homework to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think social determinants very much fall upstream. Yeah. So. How, and how do you hope like sort of to include the community or is there anything that like the community or people listening to the podcast could know in terms of how to support your work or support the community center? Um, I would want communities to know that um, I'd love to see them show up on council calls that I think there are sort of a, a grouping of folks who show up typically. Mm. And then there are a whole bunch of people the council doesn't often hear from. Um, and also like people to know that I always want them to think about the candidates that are running, make choices around voting, think about what, what campaigns matter for their lived experience. Um, and I think in leadership, we need to make that easier, we need to make it as easy as possible to communicate with the administration. Great. Yeah. Awesome. Anything else you'd like to add or like plug before we wrap up? Um, I don't think so. Although I'm often the type of person who thinks of 10 things after the fact. So my yeah. fault for that. No, no. Well, I, re I really appreciate you making the time. Um, and hopefully we can reconnect, you know, once you've been in those positions for, for a little while and see if, uh, see what else yeah, is yeah. going on. Yeah. Give me like six months and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much to Chelly for today's interview. The West Medford Community Center will be hosting a virtual event tonight, February 21st at 6.30 p.m. This will be the first of many conversations in partnership with City Council. Speakers will include City Council President Nicole Morell, City Council Vice President Zach Bears, community activist Grace Caldara, and community activist Crystal Chandler, as well as today's podcast guest, Chelly Kashavin. Zoom links can be found on the WMCC's Facebook page. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode, and as always, if you have feedback about this episode or ideas for future episodes, you can email medfordpod at gmail.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. Guys, what's the name of the podcast? Never Bites! Never Bites! <laughs> Good job.